Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. One, one pitch. Fastball pulled and Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now, here's Adam, Scott, Heath, and Chris. We got a big show today. We might go long today. We are previewing every single team. You want a sleeper, a breakout, a bust, and a position battle for every team? We did it last year. It was a lot of fun. It was very helpful. And we're going to do it again today. And then later this week, we start the position previews. Get ready to talk about catchers. It is Wednesday, February 13th. Adam Azer, Scott White, Heath Cummings, Chris Towers. And before we get into the team previews, we're going to talk about yesterday's head-to-head categories mock draft. Uh, this I got a D-plus after I took it, and I got to say uh, I earned every portion of that D-plus. I have a terrible <laughs> team, so I'm going to let you guys talk about your head-to-head categories uh, mock draft. And, uh, yeah, there we go from there. What's up, fellas? How we doing? Hey, doing great, Adam. All right. Doing so good. Just I'm a fantastic. little bit worn down because I've spent, uh, you know, the last little bit just getting as fully prepared for this podcast <laughs> as I can, making sure yeah, I have all the it's names been a, ready. It's been a lot of work. This is a podcast that really required a lot of preparation <laughs> from some of us. Yeah, I know. Yeah. For, for me, from the three of you. This is an easy one for me. The team previews, I don't have to do anything. I'm just going to say a team and their record. Some uh, people say it's our best podcast of the year. I, yeah. I thought it went very well last year. It was, it was just two of us, right, Heath and I? I think so. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I guess we'll find out this year if it's me or Chris who brings the show down. Uh, I got an email. We got an email like an hour ago that said, is this the shallowest player pool ever? Something to that effect. There's like nobody good after, you know, round, let's see what he say, round six through nine. And that's kind of how I felt yesterday. Maybe it's just because I'm not, quite sure who I love in the late rounds but I just yeah I do feel like this player pool stinks does anybody else feel that way or, or am I going to come around and everything's going to be fine I uh, wouldn't say I feel that way that it's unusually thin in the middle to late stages of the draft I, I think what may be may be leading you to believe that is because it's so deep in you know like the round four through nine range there's actually players who look high in themselves available in that range. I mean, we're still in a we're still in a stage where there are a lot of home runs being distributed across the league. So I I, I don't think this is historically bad. Anybody else feel like man, is it, we're running out of good players pretty early? No, usually when we get done with the draft, there's still players left in my top 150. Yeah, uh, which you know. But that doesn't mean they're good. It just means they're that, in the top yeah, 150. That, that, that might be its own thing. But uh, no, Adam, I'm, I'm good at drafting. <laughs> uh, you are good at drafting. You like you took Greg Allen in the 20th round. It was a great pick. I, what maybe, a genius. Maybe. Uh, yeah, so some other guys going in the, like in the last round. Jeff McNeil, Derek Holland, Mike Soroka, Domingo Santana. Yeah, I guess there's some, some good names. Zach Eflin's got potential. Forrest Whitley. Okay, maybe my team just sucks. D-plus for me. So head-to-head categories, it was 12 teams. It was one catcher, first base, second base, third base, shortstop, three outfielders, one utility hitter, and five starting pitchers and two relief pitchers. And that's a little bit different. Some head-to-head categories leagues just have pitcher spots. You can divvy them up how you see, how you please. Some have 
maybe like four starting pitchers, two relievers, and then a few pitcher spots that you can make starters or relievers. This was specifically five starters and two relievers. The pitching categories were strikeouts, wins, ERA, saves, and whip, hitting, batting average, home runs, runs, steals, and RBIs. And let's let's not say it's a little different. It's definitively bad. No, it's de- I mean, it's actually the best way to do it. This is the standard for for Yahoo leagues, right? No, no, Yahoo has two starters, two relievers, and three pitcher slots. One yeah, of the is, great. Things, I would have preferred that flexibility, one given of the, the way I built my team. One of the great things about head-to-head category leagues, in my opinion, is that it allows you to pursue a variety of different strategies, more so than the other two formats. And that was really taken away. Good. I'm glad it was because <laughs> one of the bad things about head-to-head categories leagues is it no longer becomes about fantasy baseball. It becomes about how do you game the system to win categories while drafting and rostering unrealistic rosters. Um, Adam. Yes. Hey, Adam. Yeah. D plus. That sounds like fantasy baseball to me. <laughs> no, it doesn't. It's it's a it's anarchy. Head-to-head head-to-head categories also, leagues is anarchy. Also, you're only allowed to comment on this league if you got above a C. <laughs> so. All right, so I, let's move on. But that did change your strategy, right? The, having to roster five starting pitchers as opposed there to there was no longer any strategy. Oh, I mean, yeah, like I went into the draft intending to take my entire lineup before I took a single pitcher, and I did that. But it also it would have been easier to pull off that strategy if I had the much deeper pool of really good relievers available to choose from. Yeah, Scott. I uh, I actually took a lot of starting pitchers early, not because it was a plan or anything. They just happened to be the best players available, I felt like. And uh, I'm, I'm actually really happy with the way my team turned out. Um, I drafted a lot of upside hitters, and um, I, I think it's good. This is, this is probably one of my favorite teams I put together. So, I, I, I mean, I guess it's... I guess this is an example of why you don't need to be afraid to take pitchers early, if it makes sense. I mean, I'm I'm not saying it's a must or anything, but if it makes sense, uh, when you have a head-to-head lineup with so few hitter spots to fill, there are going to be some hitters who fall to you. All right, well, let's, let's see Scott's lineup then. Sale, Garrett Cole, Zach Greinke, Andrew Heaney, Joe Musgrove, um, Blake Trinan, and Kirby Yates. So Sale, Cole, Granky, Heaney, Musgrove, Blake Trine, and Kirby yeah. Yates. And I actually like terrific. to think of the Colin McHugh as my fifth starter rather than Musgrove, but okay. he'll have to pick up SP eligibility. Okay, that's a great pitching staff. Uh, Danny Jansen at catcher, Jose Abreu, Scooter Jeanette, Miguel Andujar, Adalberto Mondesi, Bryce Harper, Yasiel Puig, David Dahl, Luke Voigt. I can't imagine you have the best hitting, but you might have the best pitching. Um, I think it's balanced hitting. I, I may come up a little short in the power department, but it should have a lot of speed. Um, I think the fact that I took Harper and Mondesi as my first two hitters, I mean, Harper may or may not help in batting average. He's kind of up and down as far as that goes, but I felt like I needed to to kind of salvage batting average. So I got Jeanette Abreu and Miguel Andahar, who I think it's fair to expect a 290 or better batting average. Well, hope for, I guess. I mean, Abreu was doing that consistently before last year. Jeanette's obviously doing that. And I think Andujar, I have concerns about his playing time, but he's he should be a safe and reliable source of batting average. So, so I think I, 
Yeah, I, it, but but you've made this point before. When you're doing a head-to-head categories league, you're drafting for categories, not necessarily for position. Do you still believe that, or, or did I say that wrong? Like you're, I it's, mean, it's you're, you're doing both. Yeah. You're doing both. I, I think position scarcity is a little back is is kind of back on the table this year to a degree. But I mean, mostly I was looking to balance categories. Like for instance. Part of the reason I took Harper in the first round is because I knew I wanted to get Mondesi to be my primary steal source, and so I didn't want to block him with Manny Machado. Uh, so I, I took a player I liked a little less so that I could make sure that I, I, I really got a lot of steals impact from one lineup spot since you have so few lineup spots to work with. Heath, what did you do in this league? I tried to go with a balanced approach. Um, I did want to make sure that I had plenty of steals and plenty of average. And I think I got both of those things. I did take, take a couple of guys that could really kill my batting average, but I also have guys that I can plug in that can play those positions that won't. So You're talking I, about I feel who? pretty good about my hitting. I think my, my pitching, I am in love with my pitching staff because there's a lot of upside. I can't believe you drafted Jed Larry. Um, who are you talking about that could kill your batting average that you could replace? Um, well, Jonathan VR. We'd replace with Jed Lowry. And Byron Buxton. But I've got Gregory Polanco, who will be ready by June. Okay. Uh, you have Jake Bowers on the bench as well. Your pitching staff is Kershaw, uh, Snell, Kershaw, Jack Flaherty, John Gray, Nick Pavetta, Wade Davis, and Roberto Ozuna. Very good. You have Grandal, Freeman, VR, Sano, Trey Turner, uh, Reese Hoskins, Michael Brantley, Mitch Hanniger, and Byron Buxton. So it's a solid team. Grandal, Freeman, VR, Sano, Turner, Brantley, Hanniger, Hoskins, Buxton. Um, okay. Did you want to add anything else about how this unfolded or, you know, Specific picks you like, didn't like? Anything you do differently? I, I do think one of the things I focused on, like the, a couple of those pitchers at the end there, uh, Gray and Pavetta, there were safer options available, but in head-to-head categories, I don't really have a lot of interest in the guy that, the Rick Porcello type that's probably going to throw a ton of innings and give you a mid four or a low four ZRA. So I tried to go with guys that I thought could be great. Yeah, it, it's a it's a shallower league, so you can... You can afford to play for upside. All right, let's look at Chris's team. Chris, uh, what was your major takeaway from this draft? Uh, I mean, I, you know, this is something that we've talked about before. Um, I like to experiment when we're doing these mock drafts just to kind of see which team type I like. And so I went super hitter heavy. I don't think I took a pitcher until the ninth or tenth round. Um I have there's enough upside at pitching that I could see things working out, but it's obviously not the best pitching staff possible. Uh, but I think I got enough upside in my pitching staff and on my bench that I, I think it's pretty workable with a team that should be very, very good on offense. So his offense, Ray Almuto, Goldschmidt, Daniel Murphy, Vladimir Guerrero, Carlos Correa, Christian Yelich. Eloy Jimenez, Billy Hamilton, Justin Turner. Again, Realmuto, Goldschmidt, Murphy, Vlad, uh, Correa, Yelich, Eloy Hamilton. He has Eloy and Vlad, by the way. And Justin Turner. Uh, so excellent hitting. And then here's the pitching staff. Is this good enough? Will this work? Uh, we got, let's see, who is your, 
Who's your ace, Tanaka? Well, and, and one thing I want to point out is that Vlad and Eloy kind of fell in this draft, and so I was at the point where I almost had to take them. They Vladimir did. Guerrero didn't go until the end of the fifth round, which is a lot later than we usually see him. And then Eloy Jimenez was top of the eighth, but I didn't have another pick for 17 picks, so I wanted to to take that chance. But at that point, it was just it was value. I'm usually not the hype-up guys who've never played in the majors before guy, but... You know, I wanted to to take that chance at that price. You sniped me on up, Eloy. Good. You just I said, think that's why I took him. You just said top of the eighth. You know, we never do that. We should talk about like, yeah, I I didn't I had a pick in the top of the eighth. I I wasn't coming up again to the bottom of the ninth. Like that's that's great. That's some good baseball verbiage. Oh, that's what. Okay, you're just like it's baseball stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's baseball stuff. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah we can do that. It's good yeah, stuff. Like, you know, it's 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 <laughs> you know a, a baseball. Um, fantastic segment right here, guys. I'm just gonna say yeah. one like not only um is your pitching staff uh not that good. I'll read it. But you're really. <laughs> I really. What, I what like is the it? upside on this. All right, all right. But there, you also upside. you also you also like may not have a closer. Because your relievers are Shane Green, he's awful. Yeah. Jordan Hicks and Dellen Betances. Sure. And then that, here are your could, starters. It could definitely be a problem. Uh, Tanaka, you need, you need hold on. Three Let of me... your starting pitchers to deliver their best case scenario. Uh, right Tanaka, there. Robbie Ray, Cole Hamels, Shane Bieber, Alex Reyes, Marco Gonzalez, Jimmy Nelson, Trevor Richards. Now, look, I know you were just experimenting, so I appreciate that. I'm not going to criticize the strategy. I'm just going to ask seriously, like. Didn't you sort of get away from this strategy last year? Like, you, were we you even trying? We, we can't do this anymore. We can't just uh, sacrifice aces and take all hitters early. Uh, two things. One, I'm not the one who got a D plus. <laughs> I got a I got a solid B. Which, based on my, uh, we could pull up my high school transcripts. That would be that's like an A for me. Uh, nice. Um, and no, I don't think. I continue to believe there's not one right way to build your team. The best strategy is to draft players who will play well. And I think you can build a hitting heavy team. I think you can build a pitching heavy team that does well. It just depends on what falls to you in the draft. In this instance, I was able to get enough guys who I think have top 20 potential. I I think Shane Bieber has top 20 potential this season. Uh, I really liked what we saw from Cole Hamels after he got traded. We've seen Robbie Ray pitch that well. Alex Reyes, we, he's got top five potential if he's healthy. And Masahiro Tanaka, we know he's solid. So, yes, it's a long shot. Yeah, very. But pitchers are, pitchers are combustible. In this format, and this will make Adam mad probably to even say it, but in this format with your strategy, which I kind of like because I always like experimental strategies, I probably would have taken three Sparps because you're I, going to win four or five hitting categories most weeks. And if you take three st- Sparps, you probably have a good chance of winning wins and Ks each week, and you're good. That was the thing is there were there was a point right around 10, 11, 12, I think, where I had a bunch of guys queued up, including like Glasnow, and I think there was another Sparp in there. And they just they my queue got decimated right in front of my pick, and so I was. I ended up going from like 11 guys in my queue to two. And so that's one of the situations where the draft didn't quite fall the way I wanted. I did plan to get Sparps. Well, and and I was here, left kind of scrambling. Here's, here's the other issue with hoping to get lucky with half of the equation, in this case, pitching. Um, like you're relying on having 
perfect luck on the the side that you did feed into. I mean, what if Vladimir and Guerrero, Vladimir Guerrero and Loy Jimenez aren't up until late June? What if Carlos Correa's back still a problem? What if uh, Daniel Murphy spends half the year on the DL? Well, suddenly your great offense isn't looking so hot. So it's it's just kind of you're asking things to go really right there, and also hope to get a little lucky with your pitchers. That's fair. My counterpoint would be Garrett Cole missed half a season two years ago with elbow issues. Zach Granke's 35. Andrew Heaney missed an entire season with Tommy John surgery. Joe Musgrove had surgery. Chris Sales' velocity fell eight miles per hour over the last month of the season. There's risk in any strategy. We can poke holes in every team. Uh, right, but I, I would still have Chris. decent hitting. I think pitching were to fall apart. Well, maybe. Like I, your hitting is not that much more sure thing than my pitching. All right, I'm gonna uh, yeah. So the Scott are the results. Scott, your team's better. The clear thing is Heath has the best team. Let's let's hear Adam's D plus effort. Uh, Williams Ostudio, a catcher. Last okay, pick. So my last. Do pick. we get points for minor league stats? My last pick. I'll drop God, it if I, I have so. to. Uh, Joey Votto, Brian Dozier, Josh Donaldson. Francisco this Lindor. This would have been awesome in 2012. I keep doing this. I keep drafting all the guys who sucked last year. Uh, Francisco Lindor, Aaron Judge, D. Gordon, Stephen Piscotti, and Nelson Cruz. Uh, my pitchers are Trevor Bauer, Carlos Martinez, Luis Castillo, Tyler Skaggs, and Hyunjin Ryu. And I have Kenley Jansen and Rysel Iglesias. I also have Miguel Cabrera and Elvis Andrews on my bench, continuing the theme of guys who sucked last year. At least you didn't get an F. It it, it could be a great it team. Look like a ter- it doesn't look like a terrible team to me. Uh, I mean, the thing to remember about these grades is it's it's where you took them projected to where they go, and that's really all it is. It has nothing to do with like roster construction or anything like that. Yeah, I, it just yeah. baseball's a young man's game, and I have way too many old people, but. Um, some of those guys who were bad last year are going to be good next, this year. Uh, and full results on the website. We'll do another head-to-head categories mock at some point where we, we're going to have to do one that has you know less uh, roster constraints because I know a lot of people play in those types of leagues and, uh, and help you out in that scenario. Uh, we got news and notes and then the team previews. Also, I'm just going to read Jonah Carey's breakouts. He wrote a column. It's on cbsports.com slash MLB. And it's interesting. We're not going to necessarily. You're talk just going to read it. the column. I'm just going. <laughs> I'm just going to give a list of the names and um, oh. see if they're on fantasy radars. Yeah, read the column. That'll be fun. But first, your news and notes. Aaron Nola signed a four-year, forty-five million-dollar deal. Tampa Bay's top three starters are Blake Snell, Charlie Morton, and Tyler Glass. Now, and I think as Chris quote tweeted, uh, does that mean there won't be an opener for Snell, Morton, and Glass now? Yeah. So let me. Go. I, I asked our former uh, colleague, Ryan Bass, who covers the Rays now in Tampa. Um, and I want to pull up what his actual uh, answer was. I believe he said that they will still use bullpen days, but not when those three are pitching, which is the key. Okay, good. That's uh, Snell, Morton, and Glass now. Boston's going to begin the season with a six-man rotation. They're going to sort of ease Chris Sale in, I guess. Um you know, they won the World Series, so they're all tired. Uh, Luis Severino's changing his diet to avoid fatigue in the second half of the year. All right. Dave Roberts said there might be less platooning this year. That's good. Yeah. 
I, I hope he means because of Max Muncy, though. The only players he cited specifically were AJ Pollock being on board and Corey Seager being back. Yeah, Corey Seager close to 100%. Uh, if you are in a dynasty league, the A's are not giving up in their pursuit of Kyler Murray, who said he's going to play football. The Marlins signed Sergio Romo. He was uh, surprisingly effective last year until the Rays just stopped using him. Uh, anybody interested in Sergio Romo? Is he going to close for the Marlins? But we'll talk about that when we do the Miami Marlins position battle. I, I think it'll be Steck and Ryder. Oh, well, I guess we don't do that section now. <laughs> it's at least a battle, though, right? Like they're not just handing the job to Steck and Ryder. I have no idea. We could talk about this during the Marlins. Yeah, 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 yeah. We'll get to that. <laughs> I mean, Sergio Romo was a starter last year, so who knows how he'll be used. <laughs> Uh, San Francisco signed Gerardo Parra to a minor league deal, and manager Brad Osmus of the Angels is hoping to have Shohei Otani sometime in May. He said, quote, I'm not going to put a date on it, but we're thinking sometime in May. I'm going to guess this will come up in the Angels segment for whoever has it. <laughs> Maybe. But he's like, I'm not going to put a date on it, but here's a date. May. That's not, that's not a date. Yeah, but a it's month. a date. I mean, it's, it's no, a date. It's not a, a loose timeline. It's May. seven to nine weeks, right? June is not a date. It's May-ish. Seven to nine weeks for Otani? That was, that was, the, uh, that Lindor. was Lindor. Yeah. Like seven, it made like sense in my head. That's what Lindor in May makes it sound like it's not late May. Because then he'd say, well, May or June. So it's probably early to mid-May. If, it's it, was, probably, if it was early May, it's April. It's probably May 14th. That, uh, I was reading the tea leaves. I was going to say, is that your birthday? But I know it's not your birthday. Your birthday is July 4th. That's weird. Thank you. So, uh, Jonah Carey's breakouts. Weird you want my birthday's July? 4th. Yeah, it is weird. So yeah, it's that's weird. America's birthday. It's weird that Adam knows your birthday that's, and no one else's. That's just the day I was born. Yeah, but it's weird. <laughs> people are born that day. My they, they don't just like shut down the hospital be. and like plug people. My up. birthday's on a famous American date as well, and you don't know it. Huh? I have no idea. Another famous American date? Yeah, it's like the the uh, opposite of Chris's. It's tax day because it's also my mom's birthday. Uh, <laughs> was April 15th, right? Celebrate yeah, taking place. away our independence. Okay. <laughs> well, but if you think about it, the whole taxation led to July 4th. Okay. So anyway, if you want to hear about Jonah Carey's breakout, stick around. We'll be back right after this. Worn by players like Michael Harris to meet the demand of elite ball players, the New Balance Fuel Cell 4040 V7 is a versatile option. The 4040 V7 is built for the athlete who needs responsiveness and ability to cut and run at their full speed. The model features a fuel cell foam underfoot and a synthetic and mesh upper to provide breathability, comfort, and a snug fit as you round the bases. The fuel cell midsole features nitrogen-infused foam specifically designed to propel athletes forward. Learn more about the 4040 at newbalance.com. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. Nothing beats a weekend away with the family in the great outdoors, whether it's camping, hiking, river rafting, or anything in between. With third-row seating, nobody is left out. The entire family can experience the thrill together. And nobody wants a dead phone. Available dual wireless charging pads make it so nobody gets stuck and we can check our fantasy baseball teams together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. So Jonah Carey, one of our baseball writers, he came up with a list of, I believe, seven breakouts. Three of them are Phillies pitchers. 
But here's who he said. Um, and I, and please read the column. It's very interesting. Joey Gallo, Chad Pinder. That one really jumped out. Oakland, he's second base and outfield eligible for the A's. Chad Pinder. David Dahl, Cincinnati outfielder Jesse Winker, who, as Jonah mentions, has one of the best eyes in baseball. And then Nick Pavetta, Zach Eflin, and Vince Velasquez, with Jonah Carey making the case. Those three guys played behind the worst defense in baseball last year. It will be better this year, and they all had low strand rates. So Gallo, Pinder, Dahl, Winker, Pavetta, Eflin, Velasquez. Um, just give me, Scott, give me like a, a quick response to that. I don't want to steal Jonah's thunder. I want people to read the column. Yeah, I think five of those guys are, are also on my breakout list. I can't say Chad Pender is one of them. I'm not sure where the playing time is going to come for him. Uh, but Zach Eflin's somebody who probably needs to be on my uh, on my radar. Uh, needs to move up my rankings a little bit because if you look at what he did in terms of missing more bats, yeah, I think there's an argument to be made that the defense could help him like it does Pavetta. Zach Eflin is <laughs> no no. <laughs> No knock on Chad Pender. <laughs> Somebody's hammering next to Scott in the house oh, next yeah. door or something. So um. that is, uh, they're fixing up the unit next door for new uh, new people to move in. This is this is my life. <laughs> so yeah, uh, Zach Eflin might be my favorite Philly starter target in drafts just because he's free, essentially free. He's three twenty three, and I think he actually does have as much upside as Nick Pavetta. Okay. Phillies pitchers, and that note about the defense is is important, especially with Hoskins out of left field and moving. And it was weird base. their defense because it wasn't bad for Aaron Nola or Jake Arrieta. Oh, they played favorites. like their defense played well when those two guys were playing. It was really bizarre. <laughs> Selective defense. I have because like it was one of the worst defensive teams ever by most metrics, um, but for some reason they weren't bad for those guys. But Gabe Kapler said they were actually good. Yeah, but but it's kind of like when. Like the the quarterback, nobody likes the quarterback, and he gets sacked fifteen times, and the backup right. comes in. The offensive line just starts playing yeah. great. So you're just right. impugning. There's... You're just saying Zach Eflin, Vince Velasquez, and Nick Pavetta are jerks who all yeah, they hate. <laughs> you know, I heard Gabe Kapler lost control of the clubhouse. Oh yeah, because of that. Yeah, that. though that wouldn't surprise me because Gabe Kapler. All right, here we go. Team previews. Team previews. All I'm gonna do is say a team and their record last year. And then I'm going to say who is previewing them. And that person is going to give one sleeper, one breakout, one bust, and one position battle. And by God, he is going to do it in approximately 60 seconds. So, Scott, the Baltimore Orioles were 47 and 115 last year. Go. So my breakout, I'm going to go with Dylan Bundy here. Obviously not a high probability pick, but you can get it very late. If you look at what he did uh, in April and June of last year, Showed ace potential there. Misses a lot of bats. Still good. I'm going to go Cedric Mullins as my sleeper. He's their projected leadoff man. He should steal a lot of bases with a decent amount of pop. And uh, he's not even getting drafted in standard mixed leagues. For bust, I'm going to go Jonathan VR. Not because I, I don't, not because I necessarily think he's a bad pick at his going rate. Obviously a lot of steals upside, but I could see it going horribly wrong again. Uh, he strikes out a lot. Doesn't, elevate the ball very well and it just isn't a long-term part of their future so they could end up bumping them from the lineup at some point um it, it's hard everybody's so bad on the Orioles it's hard to find anybody who you could say well this could really go wrong for him you know uh position battle oh position battle uh 
closer, I think Mike Michael Given, Givens is in the driver's seat there, but he had kind of an iffy year, and I, I think there'll be, I think there will be other people popping in from time to time. All right, you could have done a minute if you had budgeted for the position battle. You would have right. shortened up your VR. So I, I will, I will allow that. Uh, Boston won the World Series at 108 and 54 last year. Heath, break it down for Boston. I'll go with Rafael Devers as my sleeper. He's outside of the top 150 in ADP. He has gotten in better shape. He thinks that he was uh, too overweight last year, and that's why he kept getting hurt. And he's still young enough to have a lot of upside. For breakout, I'll go with another young guy, Andrew Benintendi. Chris thinks he's actually terrible, but he. I think there's 25-25 with a 300 average and 110 run scored potential. He was the number 20 hitter in all of baseball last year in terms of Roto. The bust is Rick Porcello. He's terrible. He stinks. The position battle second base. It's all about whether Dustin Pedroia can be healthy. I kind of hope that he can't, and Edward Otto Nunez can be good and run again. All right, Chris, the Yankees, 100 wins, 62 losses last year. Go. Sleeper's Jonathan Luizaga. According to the Aces metric, he was 87th percentile in stuff last season. He's literally free. He might not have a rotation spot uh, to start, but if you're in a deeper league, he's worth drafting and stashing. Breakout is Aaron Hicks. I think he's someone who has 25 to 30 homer and 15 steal potential, and I think he's gotten undersold on batting average the last year. Uh, I think he could hit, could hit 275. And the bust, he's cheap enough that it's not going to cost you much. But Luke Voigt, uh, I just I don't buy into 45 game sample sizes, um, so I I, I just kind of want to push back on the hype that uh, that Scott White's been putting on him. Um, I just, I, I don't buy it personally. And the position battle is probably left field to start out, but the bigger and more interesting one's going to be what they do with their infield post all-star break, uh, when Didi Gregorius is healthy. All right, Scott, let's go to the Tampa Bay Rays. Surprisingly, uh, good last year, 90 wins, 72 losses for the Rays. Yeah, for my sleeper, I'm going to go with Austin Meadows, who looks like he's in line for full-time duty and had a pretty impressive stretch filling in for, uh, I think it was Starling Marte early last season, showed some power, showed some speed, makes a lot of contact, seems like the kind of prospect who might live up to his potential finally in the majors. Breakout, I am going to go... Uh, let's go on to bust, actually. I'm going to go with Willie Adamas there, who... Yeah, he hit for more power than people expected coming once he reached the big leagues last year. But if you look at what he did over the final two months, his ground ball rate spiked. It was like Ian Desmond levels. And he happened to hit for a high batting average. But I just don't think that's a sustainable formula. I think a lot of people are going to look to him as a sleeper. And he's going to let those people down. Uh, position battle, I'm going to go with... Uh, Brandon Lau, how they find at bats for him, because I think there's a ton of upside there. Walks a lot, showed good power between the majors and the minors. Can play second base or outfield, but they have a lot of options for those spots. Going back to breakout, Tyler Glass now is uh, the pick there. He upped his strikeout, his strike rate considerably higher than it ever was with the Pirates once joining the Rays rotation. Though he had some home run issues, he showed a lot of good signs. I think that upside is finally going to to uh, come to bear. All right, we got the Blue Jays, 73-89 and 89 last year. Heath, sleeper breakout bus position battle. 
Sleeper's the same as it ever was. Randall Gritchick still hits the ball exceptionally hard. Did actually cut the strikeout rate just a little bit last year to 26%. Still right there in the 20s in terms of home runs because he didn't play enough games. I think he's a guy that if he could just stay healthy for a full season could definitely give you 30 home runs this year. Available at pick 245. The breakout is Danny Jansen. Has top five potential at catcher, especially in points leagues. Walks a ton, barely strikes out. And he's a young catcher with very little competition, so he could come close to leading catchers in terms of plate appearances. That matters as much as anything. My bust is Ken Giles, just because he always seems to have that one month where he just can't do anything right. And this is a bad team that has gone with the closer by committee in the past. I'm just afraid what happens if he does that for a month and then doesn't get another save chance for two weeks. And the position battle I'll go with is left field. Uh, Tay Oscar Hernandez and Billy McKinney will be battling it out there. And I expect that it could be a platoon, but if McKinney wins that job and can hit lefties a little, he may be a leadoff hitter that has some sleeper appeal. So when we do each division, I'm just going to go back and recap the sleepers, breakouts, and busts. Uh, you Scott, just weren't getting to talk enough, were you? Scott gave you uh, Cedric Mullins as a sleeper, Dylan Bundy as a breakout, Jonathan Villar as a bust. Heath gave you Rafael Devers as a sleeper, Andrew Benintendi as the number one overall player in fantasy this year, and Rick Porcello as a bust. Uh, just kidding about Benintendi. Luizaga as a sleeper for Chris. Aaron Hicks as a breakout. Luke Voigt as a bust. Scott said Austin Meadows sleeper. Willie Adamas bust. Tyler Glass now breakout. And Heath said for the Blue Jays, Randall Gritchick sleeper. Danny Jansen breakout. Ken Giles bust. To the AL Central. The White Sox were 62 and 100. Chris, go. I'm going to go with the same guy I had hoped for last year, Yohan Moncada as the sleeper. He still hits the ball exceptionally hard, 86th percentile, and rate of balls hit 95 miles per hour plus. He runs fast, 88th percentile on average sprint speed. He has a good eye at the plate, only swings at 22.2% of pitches outside of the zone. The tools are all there. He needs to be more aggressive, but if that happens both at the plate and on the bases, there's still a, a potential four-category contributor here. Uh, breakout Reynaldo Lopez. I was not a fan of him for most of last season. Then over the last month, he started uh, started feeling more comfortable with his changeup, told reporters that. And over his final 11 starts, bumped that strikeout rate up to 24.1%, had a 2.70 ERA, 105 whip. Tim Anderson was a decent power speed guy last year, but the speed was pretty heavily concentrated early in the season. And uh, baseball savants expected stats had him deserving of a 225 average and 355 slugging. That's a replacement-level player kind of stuff. And the position battle is the third outfielder, and it's really just a question. How long does it take to call up Elo Jimenez? All right. So we go to Cleveland. They won the division at 91-71. and 71. Scott, Cleveland. Sleeper, I'm going to go with the guy you pointed out on the podcast the other day, Adam, Greg Allen, who looks like he's going to have a full-time outfield job just because somebody has to. And uh, he should already be a pretty good source of stolen bases. If you look at his minor league track record, there were a lot of years with great discipline, good batting average. Kind of seems like he could be a poor man's Michael Brantley in a best-case scenario. So that's my sleeper. Breakout, I'm going to go with Shane Bieber who is one of the best strike throwers in all the majors and misses more bats than I think he gets credit for. It's just a question of, is he in the zone too much? Is he going to get hit hard? Uh, but I see I see some Rick Porcello comparisons there, which you could take as a good sign or a bad side, depending on your opinion of Porcello. For bust, you're forcing me to pick one. I don't totally believe this, but I'm going to go with Mike Clevenger. 
as the bust because he the last couple years his ERA has been at least half a run better than his FIP. Uh, he's has good Babbitt luck. He has good home run luck, and uh, I could see that ERA taking a turn for the worse. Uh, position battle, their whole outfield. Greg Allen, we're penciling in. Maybe we're penciling on Leonis Martin. Uh, Tyler Naquin's an option there. But I think also uh, Jordan Luplo is interesting. Good minor league numbers in the Pirates system. And uh, then they have a couple of cast-offs competing there, too. Uh, uh, it doesn't matter. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's going to be a mess, though. they got a lot of options, and right. none of them great. So the Indians uh, from Scott. Now let's go to the Detroit Tigers, 64-98 and last year. Go ahead, Heath. Don't draft them. No, we'll uh, we'll go ahead and go through this exercise with the Tigers too. My sleeper, I'm going to go with Michael Fulmer because he's still a guy who is a good ground ball pitcher who has good control. He pitched hurt for part of last year. I think there's a decent chance he could get back to being a guy that gives you decent innings, maybe even gets traded to a good team and picks up some wins, is good in whip and as good as an ERA, and he's basically free in drafts right now. The breakout is Joe Jimenez. He is the best reliever in this Detroit Tigers bullpen. He had a 1199 whip last year and was pretty unlucky. His FIP was 2.91. He had 11.2 strikeouts per nine. I think Jimenez could take that job from Shane Green and be a closer for most of the year. My bust is Nicholas Castellanos, and I don't think he's bad by any stretch of the imagination, but I'm not sure he's quite as good as he was last year. And if even if he is as good as he was last year, I'm not sure that he's worth a seventh-round pick, which is where you have to take him in drafts right now. And then the position battle, I just put John Hicks. The Tigers have to find a way to play John Hicks, preferably at first base with Miguel Cabrera at DH because Hicks is catcher eligible, and if he plays on a regular basis, he's going to be a valuable catcher in points leagues. The Kansas City Royals were 58-104 and 104 last year. Chris Towers, Kansas City. Billy Hamilton is the sleeper. They seem like they're just going to try to steal every single base, and they may have to try to steal first to get anybody on there this season. Billy Hamilton, we know he's got 50, 60, 70 stolen base potential. If he's an everyday player, he's going to be a steal in Roto Leagues. Uh, breakout, I thought about putting out Alberto Mondesi as both a bust and a breakout, but he said it wasn't playing within the spirit of the rules. The upside is clear. If he steals 45 bases, he's going to be a value where he goes. If he steals 65 bases, he's probably going to play like a second-round pick. Uh, and my bust, Salvador Perez. He's kind of the last of his tier at catcher, but injuries have started piling up over the last couple of seasons. And catchers tend to not age well. And, and the way things tend to go with catchers is when it happens, they're done. And he's still at only 28 years old, so it's not necessarily happening yet, but he's caught a lot of games. They overused him early in his career. It wouldn't surprise me if he falls off. And then the battle... As far as it matters, right field, uh, Brett Phillips versus Jorge Bonifacio. Bonifacio has some skill as a power hitter, and, and Brett Phillips is a prospect with some pedigree. So either of those guys could get into the uh, AL-only discussion for sure if they win the job. Scott, tell me about Minnesota at 78 and 84. So the sleeper for me is going to be Jonathan Scope, who, of course, has been a notable fantasy player in the past, had a horrible year last year, but it was one that was impacted pretty much from start to finish by an oblique injury. I think he's getting pushed down probably a little too far, given that second base is one of the weaker positions. My breakout I'm going to go with 
Max Kepler, whose bad at ball tendencies uh, look pretty darn great. He's controls the strike zone well too, with a lot of walks, few strikeouts. Should be a high BABIP guy, uh, and and added to his fly ball rate last year in a way that uh, leads me to believe there's more power potential to come as well. Uh, bust. This is another one I don't feel great about, but I'm going to go with Nelson Cruz, whose batting average. You know, his his production mostly in the batting average showed some sign of decline. Maybe it was just bad Babbitt luck, but you got to factor he's 38 years old. And anytime there's a change of scenery, that introduces a variable that's a little bit scary. So I'm kind of avoiding him this year, unless it's great value. Position battle, going to go with the closer role here. Blake Parker has closing experience. Some say Taylor Rogers might be the front runner in this battle. But the guy I like is Trevor May, who, after returning from injury last year, had 36 strikeouts to five walks and 25 and a third innings and was, in fact, in the closer role as the season came to a close last year. Scott, who was your Minnesota breakout? Scope was your sleeper? Max Kepler. Max Kepler, okay. All right, so recapping the NL Central, Chris had the White Sox, Moncada, sleeper, Ronaldo Lopez, breakout, Tim Anderson, bust. Scott had the Indians, Greg Allen, sleeper, Shane Bieber, breakout, and Clevenger, a reluctant Clevenger bust, didn't really feel it there. Heath said, Fulmer, sleeper, Joe Jimenez, breakout, Nick Castellanos, bust for the Tigers. Castellanos still good, but not great, not amazing. Um, Chris said, Billy Hamilton, sleeper, Adalberto Montesi, breakout, Salvador Perez, bust, and Scott had the Twins, Jonathan Scope, sleeper, Max Kepler, Max Kepler breakout, and again, a reluctant bust of Nelson Cruz. Moving over to the American League West. I love everybody. West. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, it's important, I guess, to give the context. American League West, we'll start with the Angels. They were 80 and 82 last year. Heath. Very typical fashion. I'm stealing another sleeper of mine from last year. It's Cole Calhoun. He got off to a terrible start, battled through some injuries in the first half, was a better hitter in the second half of 2018. He's going to lead off again, hitting in front of Mike Trout and Justin Upton. He's going to hit 25 home runs, score 90 runs and really be a decent contributor across the board. Maybe a little bit better in points leagues. He does walk at a pretty good rate. The breakout is Andrew Heaney. Finally stayed healthy last year through 180 innings. Got a little bit unlucky in terms of VRA. Got a little bit unlucky in terms of win-loss. I think he could take another step forward, maybe just through the benefit of good fortune. The bust is Shohei Otani. He's going to be ready sometime in May. I still don't expect he's going to play every day. I don't expect he's going to play against lefties. I don't really think he should be taken in the first 200 picks of a draft. And the position battle is first base and DH once Shohei Otani is healthy because Justin Bohr could be a nice deep sleeper in a better park. He's shown power in the past, but I'm just not sure when Pujols, Otani, and Bohr are all healthy who's going to play when. All right, Chris, tell me about the Houston Astros 103-59 and last year. They're good. Yeah. Uh, Joshua James is my sleeper pick. I don't feel like I need to spend a lot of time on it. You can get him cheap, and he throws 99 miles an hour. He has three-plus pitches. As long as he sustains that velocity jump, there's really not much question about him. Breakout is Carlos Correa. Uh, he has been very optimistic when asked about the, the back injury that he suffered last year. He says it's in perfect condition. Um, he wasn't healthy last year. Last time we saw him healthy, though, he was one of the best players in baseball on a per-game basis. And my bust, and this is a reluctant one, but George Springer, I kind of just wonder if this is who he is and he's kind of reached that Justin Upton point where 
for a long time we expected him to be better than he was. I think we're still expecting George Springer to be better than he has been, and it hasn't happened yet for him. It's not a bad thing in that lineup, but he might not have the upside that we're 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 hoping for. And then the battle is the fifth starter: uh, Josh James, Wade Miley, Framber Valdez, Forrest Whitley. Um, there's there's one guy who's definitely not exciting in that mix, and I hope it's Wade Miley not in the rotation. Oakland was 97 and 65. They made the wild card game last year. Scott, sleeper breakout bus position battle for Oakland. Sleeper is Jesus Luzardo, the rookie pitcher, hypothetically, if he, if he wins a rotation spot. And uh, had a breakout season in the minors last year. His first full year back from Tommy John's surgery. Great fastball, plus-plus changeup. He could already be their best starting pitcher. Jerkson Profar is my breakout. He's supposed to be the primary second baseman for Oakland. He kind of broke out to an extent last year, at least became useful in mixed leagues. But uh, I, I think there's potentially even more, judging by his Babbitt being one of the worst among qualifiers. And that was with kind of a middle-of-the-road line drive rate, fly ball rate, nothing that would make you to think he deserves to be a bad Babbitt guy. So I think there's maybe more upside there. Bust, I'm going to go with Matt Chapman, who this season— who this offseason had both thumb and shoulder surgery. He's recovering from both of those, which is a little worrisome in his own right. And then he had a 340 BABIP last year when his bowl profile doesn't necessarily lend itself to a high BABIP. And with that BABIP, he hit only 278. So there's some a couple modest concerns there for Chapman. Position battle... Pretty much the whole starting rotation, other than Mike Fires, I don't know that anybody has that job locked down. Obviously, we're rooting for Jesus Luzardo, um, but also A.J. Puck returning from Tommy John surgery. He was an exciting prospect last spring. Don't think we'll see him in April, but probably not soon afterward. Seattle, 89-73. and 73. They will not win 89 games this year. Heath. I think we said that a lot of last year, too. Uh, I'll go with Domingo Santana as the sleeper. His stock fell a lot in 2018. <coughs> didn't uh, Things didn't go well for him in Milwaukee after they added a couple of uh, world-class outfielders, but he's got a new opportunity in Seattle. He's still a guy that hits the ball very hard, 38% career hard contact rate, 26% career line drive rate. This is a guy that could really put up decent numbers even in Seattle and should get a chance to play every day once again. The breakout is another outfielder, Malik Smith. I expect him to lead off for the Mariners. I expect him to post a decent batting average, steal 40-plus bases. I think there's a chance for even more than that, and I think he's could approach 100 runs hitting in front of Mitch Hanniger. The bust, I'll go with Edwin Encarnacion. This is the worst park he's ever played in in his career. He just turned 36 years old and just posted his lowest OPS since 2011. 70 points lower than any OPS since 2011. So I am a little bit concerned about age catching up to Edwin Encarnacion. And then the position battle is closer. This is a team that I do believe wants to go with one closer, but no one's won the job yet. It's Hunter Strickland, Anthony Swarzak. One of those guys could be a decent source of saves in Roto Leagues. We got the Texas Rangers. They were just 67-95 and last year. Chris? Let Willie Calhoun play. He's my sleeper. All he's done in the minors is rake. He's a career 290 hitter, only 211 strikeouts in 441 games. Just let him play. Let him let him fail if that's what it takes. But there's a, a huge potential for a four-category contributor there if he gets an every J role. Joey Gallo, I don't think we need to talk too much about him, but 
his second half pace last year over 152 games or 150 games, 102 runs, 123 RBI, 18 home runs, and a 240 average. That's stud production. Bust, I'm just going to keep saying Nomar Mazzara until he finally starts hitting the ball in the air. Maybe that'll be this year and I'll look like an idiot. Uh, and then position battles, it's mostly DH, basically. Will it be Shinsu Chu as the DH or will it be Willie Calhoun? And they move Chu into the outfield. That will do it for the American League. This is great stuff so far, by the way, guys. Very helpful. Uh, for the Angels, Heath gave you a call. Calhoun as a sleeper. Andrew Heaney as a breakout. Shohei Otani as a bust. Chris gave you Joshua James as a sleeper for Houston. Carlos Correa as a breakout. And a reluctant bust pick of George Springer. Oakland, Scott gave you Jesus Lazardo as a sleeper. Jerickson Profar as a breakout. And Matt Chapman as a bust. A lot of BABIP talk among those two, Profar and Chapman. For Seattle, Heath said Domingo Santana a sleeper. Malik Smith is a breakout. Edwin Encarnacion is a bust. Texas, Chris has Willie Calhoun as a sleeper. Joey Gallo as a breakout. And Nomar Mazzara as a bust. Uh, and don't, um, like, don't, don't interpret it as like, oh, Heath's never drafting Edwin Encarnacion or something like that. You know, being forced to pick one player at each position on, on each team is a bit of an unfair challenge for these guys. Not so. fair, Adam. Yeah. We're professionals. Don't Fair's got nothing to do with it, Adam. <laughs> do your job. Show up, put your boots on, and go to work. <laughs> I don't own any. Oh, I do own snow boots. All right, to the National League, the NL East. Very exciting division. Scott, you get the Braves. They were 90-72 and 72 last year. Sleeper might seem like an uninspired choice given the amount of youth in this organization, but Nick Markakis is going to be my sleeper pick for four months of last season. He was basically a fantasy stud and then fell off at the end. I understand he doesn't have great power, uh, and he's probably more valuable in points leagues, whereas plate discipline helps him stand out. But he's a high batting average hitter batting directly behind Freddie Freeman and Ronald Acuna. I think he'll be your, more useful than people think. Breakout. Going to go with one of those young players, Mike Soroka, who I think is the best of the Braves pitching prospects and uh, looked started missing more bats in the majors and even before that in the minors last year before a shoulder issue. Uh, a lot of upside there. Mike Fultonevich is my bust. I don't know how he managed to put up the line he did last year. Everything from the strikeout rate not being connected to a good swinging strike rate to uh, good BABIP luck, good home run luck. Everything suggests the numbers are going to go down. I don't think he's bad, but not as good as he's being drafted for. And then position battle, the fifth starter job. It's between Mike Soroka, Tuki Toussaint, Luis Gohara, Max Freed, Bryce Wilson, Kyle Wright. They basically have a whole rotation's worth of pitching prospects who could be the fifth starter. That'll be interesting to watch this spring. The Marlins won't be all that interesting. They were, they were 63 and 98 last year, which is uh, 16 games better than the Orioles. Heath, the Marlins. Jorge Alfaro is my sleeper, acquired in the JT Realmuto trade. And I think there's one thing you can take from uh, Realmuto early in his career. One of the things that made him really valuable was they played him so much. And so I expect Alfaro to get quite a few plate appearances. He is a guy who has enormous raw power, hasn't necessarily translated yet in the major leagues, but he did hit the ball hard last year. It'd be nice if he'd cut down on his strikeouts just a little bit, but you don't need much to be a sleeper at catcher. The breakout is Trevor Richards, the Marlins' best starting pitcher from 2018. He really kind of struggled with his control, which was a surprise because he had had remarkable control in the minor leagues. And so I think if he just fixes that, we could see him get the ERA under four and really be the ace of this Marlins staff and usable 
at home at least in that great pitcher's park. The bust I'll go with is Brian Anderson just because I don't believe he's going to be quite as good as he was last year. I have no idea what his ADP is. I'm not sure if I've ever seen him drafted. <laughs> but listen, it's the Marlins. You have to be really bad to be a bust on the Marlins. The position battle is closer. And I agree with Chris. I think Steckenrider probably wins the job, but this definitely makes him less secure as a source of saves because they have someone else who's done it before there now and uh, could be pushing him for the job. That's Sergio Romo you're talking about. Chris uh, has the Mets, 77 and 85 last year. Yeah, sleepers Ahmed Rosario. It's easy to forget that this guy was arguably the top prospect in baseball, certainly a top five guy as recently as a year and a half ago. Started showing some potential in the second half, got the batting average up, started running a little bit more. Uh, There's still high average, high stolen base potential there. Um, Sorry, I scrolled down. My breakout is Steven Matz, who actually surprisingly... Rates out really well by this ACES metric. He's about 72nd percentile. It's not what I expected. Um, his ERA ballooned in the second half, but the peripherals actually suggested that he should be more like a mid to high threes ERA guy once he was starting to get strikeouts. So I like him. The bust is just kind of he's the number one closer being taken. So I'm going to say Edwin Diaz. Chances are he's not going to be the number one closer. Chances are he's probably going to be more like the fifth or sixth closer. That's not bad, but probably not work, Not enough to stand out. And the battle is at first base. Todd Frazier versus Peter Alonso's uh, arbitration clock. <laughs> the Phillies were 80 and 82. Scott White. Sleeper, I have Nick Pavetta, who I think is one, maybe the fantasy industry's favorite pitcher heading into this year. His FIP was about a run lower than his ERA. Uh, his BABIP was inflated because of a bad defense. He was a great bat misser, elite bat misser, and I think there's a lot more uh, better times ahead for him. Breakout, JT Realmuto. How can he break out when he's already the number one catcher in fantasy? Well, that's how much better I think he's going to be now that he's out of the terrible uh, the, the pitcher's park in, in Florida versus the hitter's park in Philadelphia. Similar transition to the one Christian Yelich made, except JT Real Muto's numbers even better on the road during his time with the Marlins than Yelich's were. 300 batting average, 30 home runs, not outside the realm of possibility. My bust is Gene Segura. It could go the other way now that he's back in a hitter's park. Obviously had a great year with Arizona before joining the Mariners, but it's really uh, the fact that he's now going to be on base with Gabe Kapler as his manager could lead to a not so useful steals total. So overall I'm calling him a bust position battle closer. Will the Phillies even have one? That's really the question there. I think David Robertson is probably in the driver's seat, but if Kapler uses him kind of like he used Sir Anthony Dominguez last year, highest leverage situation, not always the ninth then Robertson might struggle to get even 25 saves. Heath, the Washington Nationals, 82-80 and 80 last year. Yeah, I think there's a good chance Brian Dozier bounces back this year, and he's taken in 13th round, and he's a second baseman. There is still upside there that you can find the power stroke in Washington. And I'm just not that concerned about the way he finished the season in 2018. So I think he's a good value where he's at. The breakout is Juan Soto. Chris has said it before, but it probably bears repeating. The highest OPS ever for a 19-year-old with at least 400 plate appearances. And he didn't even do everything right that he could do. He hit too many ground balls. He struck out more often than he did in the minor leagues. He has the upside to be the number one player in fantasy in a given year. The bust is Adam Eaton. I just don't know how you can trust him to stay healthy. And that leads straight to the position battle. 
And I just really wonder how much is Adam Eaton going to play when he is healthy? Does he play every single day? Are they trying to get Michael Taylor some plate appearances still? That will determine whether Eaton even has any fantasy value at all. Yep, he could certainly sit against lefties like he did a lot last year. So that's the NL East. Scott gave you the Braves. Marquecas sleeper. Mike Soroka, breakout. Fulton Nevich, a bust. Heath had the Marlins. Jorge Alfaro, sleeper. Trevor Richards, breakout. Brian Anderson, bust. Chris had the Mets. Ahmed Rosario, sleeper. Steven Matz, breakout. Edwin Diaz, a reluctant bust. Philadelphia to Scott. Pavetta, sleeper. Real Muto, breakout. Gene Segura, bust. And Heath gave you the Nationals. Brian Dozier, sleeper. Juan Soto, breakout. And Adam Eaton, your bust. Now to uh, Cincinnati in the uh, National League Central. And Chris Towers, 67 or 95 last year for the Reds, but they are making some improvements. Chris Towers, go with the Cincinnati. Yeah, I'm going to lump in my sleeper and bust together because I think it's an interesting contrast. Alex Wood's going 221st overall in NFBC ADP. Luis Castillo is going 115th. Luis Castillo has a career 412 FIP. Alex Wood has a career 336. Yes, Luis Castillo has all this upside, and we're really excited about the stuff, but Alex Wood's actually been a better pitcher. He's actually been a good pitcher for a full season, not something we've seen with Luis Castillo. So I'm going to say Alex Wood's a sleeper. Luis Castillo's a bust. Breakout is Jesse Winker. As long as he doesn't have lingering effects from offseason shoulder surgery and can get uh, into the lineup relatively soon and play well, he's got Joey Votto potential. I'm just going to say it. And then the position battle is left field, center field. Is Matt Kemp going to play? Is Nick Senzel going to play in center field? Is Jesse Winker going to play every day in left field? Or is Scott Schebler going to play? Scott, the Cubs, 95 and 68 last year. I'm going to call you Darvish the sleeper here because on average, 12-team league, he's going in the round 14 to 16 range. And I think it's I think it's crazy for a guy we consistently drafted among the ace pitchers for his entire time in the majors before this. I know when he was healthy last year, the production wasn't great, but that started to change right before he went on the DL. His elbow surgery isn't one that should have long-lasting effects. I'm, bang- I'm uh, investing in him a lot. Breakout Pedro Strope who figures to open the year as the Cubs' closer, just like he finished last year as their closer. And he has a long track record as one of the most reliable setup men in the game. Numbers that I would consider closer caliber. I think it's possible that when Brandon Morrow is ready to go, the Cubs just stick with stroke closing games. My bust, we've talked about it a lot. Javier Baez, just a, a real tight rope walk, I think, for him to repeat last year's numbers. It has He needs an outlier home run to fly ball rate an outlier BABIP. That's a lot to ask two years in a row. Position battle center field. Albert Almora is a great defender and a good enough contact hitter that he would be the easy call, but Ian Happ theoretically has all this untapped upside, has made himself into a pretty good defensive center fielder as well. Uh, I I don't know who I'm rooting for here because I don't have a lot of confidence in Happ, but he is technically the upside play. Let's go to Milwaukee. They were one game better than the Cubs last year at 96 and 67. Heath, who do you got for Milwaukee? The sleeper's an easy one. It's Jimmy Nelson. I mean, he missed all of 2018 with a terrible shoulder injury, but the last time we saw him, 3.49 ERA, 199 strikeouts, and 175 starts, and that was with missing four starts. He has near ace potential. He finally got his control problems out of the way with just 2.5 walks per nine in that season. We just have to see if he can get all the way back. I'm going to give you a weird one for the breakout because he's old and he's been good for a while, but I don't think we saw the best that Lorenzo Cain can be 
in Milwaukee last year. We've talked about that park a lot. He posted a hard contact rate that was seven points higher than any year in his career last year and had an, a home run to fly ball rate that was just about the same. The reason I bring that up is he only hit 10 home runs and he had ridiculously bad running RBI totals considering the offense that he was in and the way that he produced, just 128 runs and RBIs combined. So I think Kane could be even better than he was last year. Corey Knable is the bust, which leads into the position battle. Can someone just be the closer on this team? That would be very nice. Jeremy Jeffers, Josh Hader, Corey Knable. They may all three share the load and all get 15 to 20 saves. And Knable's being drafted more like he's just the closer at times. Chris has Pittsburgh. Yeah, sleeper, someone we didn't see barely at all last year. Jung Ho Gong, he was a really good fantasy player uh, before injuries and then off-field issues really derailed him, but his only competition for playing time is Colin Moran or Eric Gonzalez at shortstop. I think there's upside there. Josh Bell started to show uh, the potential to break out, and that was mostly because he started hitting the ball more in the air uh, in the second half. He talked about that in spring training. Looked like things started to click for him then. And I'll go with Gregor Polanco. He's not being drafted very high, but it looks like he's going to miss the first couple of months of the season. Then he's going to be coming back from shoulder surgery. I'm wary of investing in him at all, uh, even though I do like him for 2020 and beyond. And then position battle, it'll be third base and shortstop. Uh, Colin Moran and Eric Gonzalez are currently slated to start, but Jung Ho Gong could easily take either spot. And I will say that one of our fantasy staffers, sports line writers, R.J. White, likes uh, Adam Frazier as a sleeper on Pittsburgh. Looks like he's going to hit leadoff. Yes. Um, just hope he does not sit for lefties. I think he stinks against lefties. Scott has the Cardinals. By the way, the, the Pirates were 82 and 79. The Cardinals were 88 and 74. Scott White. Alex Reyes is my sleeper. This could go many different ways for him. He could win a rotation spot out of spring training. He could win a bullpen spot out of spring training. He could go to extended spring training and save those bullets for later. Or he could get hurt and miss the whole season. But the upside is as high, I think, as any pitching prospect. And we've already seen him deliver on it to an extent in the majors. My breakout is Jack Flaherty, who was neck and neck with Walker Bueller for much of last season. Great strikeout rate. Has some control issues he needs to work on, but in the games where he didn't walk too many hitters, the Cardinals let him pitch deep, which I think is a recipe for aced him in 2019. Bust pick is Matt Carpenter because he is in his mid-30s, has an extensive injury history, and last year um, wildly up-and-down production. I'm skeptical that everything's going to turn out as swimmingly for him this year and then my position battle is right field where Dexter Fowler might be in the driver's seat because of contracts but of course Jose Martinez we already know he's a useful hitter in fantasy and then Tyler O'Neill might have the most upside of them he was on like a 65 homer pace in the minors before getting uh, a taste of the majors last year Recapping the NL Central, Alex Wood, uh, according to Chris, sleeper for Cincinnati, and Luis Castillo, a bust. I know that's going to be a little controversial. Jesse Winker, a breakout. Scott had the Cubs. Hugh Darvish, sleeper. Pedro Strope, breakout. Javier Baez, bust. Milwaukee was Heath's. Jimmy Nelson, sleeper. Lorenzo Cain, breakout. Corey Knable, bust. Pittsburgh for Chris. Jung Ho Gong, sleeper. Josh Bell, breakout. Gregory Polanco, bust. And Scott has Alex Reyes as a sleeper. You said Jack Flaherty, right, for breakout? I did indeed. 
Okay, and Matt Carpenter as a bust. One more division. Here we go. The Arizona Diamondbacks were 82 and 80 last year. Heath Cummings, sleeper breakout bust. Yeah, for the sleeper, I'll uh, give the hat tip to Chris Towers and say Jake Lamb, who was hurt for most of 2018 and just really didn't seem like he ever fully recovered from that shoulder injury. So you look at 2016, 2017, you're looking at 30 home runs, 85 runs, 95 RBI. You can live with a 248, 249 average with those numbers. And Lamb is available at the very, very end of drafts. For the bust, I'm going to go with David Peralta. I just don't really believe that he can repeat what he did last year. It's not that there's something in the underlying metrics that scares me. It's just that when somebody does that at that age, when he's never done it before, it makes me a little bit concerned that there's some regression coming. I think for the breakout, I'm going to actually go with Cattell Marte. He should get an opportunity to lead off in this offense, and he has shown some ability to do a variety of things. I'm going to be interested to see what his approach is, but just a 13.6% strikeout rate last year was his career best. He's going to get on base, and he's got the ability to run just a little bit as well as more pop than we thought he had when he came into the league. The position battle in Arizona is going to be the closer. They did sign Greg Holland. The last time we saw Greg Holland, he was pretty terrible. It'll be interesting to see if he can regain any of what he had in the past, and if he doesn't, whether it's Toronto or Bradley, what type of value they have as a closer. Chris with Colorado, 91-72. and 72. Great year for Colorado last year. Sleeper is Garrett Hampson, who I absolutely love. Didn't strike out much in the minors. Stole about 60 bases per 150 games and 84% success rate. Uh, batted ball profile looks a lot like DJ LeMayhew. He could hit 300 and steal 45 bases. He could be with Merrifield. Uh, breakout's Daniel Murphy. It's just a question of if he stays healthy. He was Daniel Murphy in the second half last season, and now he gets to play at Coors. He could hit 340. Uh, bust. A reluctant Herman Marquez, who was decent before the All-Star break and then arguably the best pitcher in baseball after. I think the result is probably going to be somewhere in the middle. A large part of that is because of the, the home park that he plays. And the position battle is second base or left field, but it's really Ian Desmond versus the Rockies' willingness to admit they made a mistake. I would love to see Ryan McMahon just put him in left field. I don't care if he's bad defensively. He's going to be better than Ian Desmond is. Scott has the Dodgers, 92-71, and 71, World Series runners-up. Again, Scott, go. Sleeper is Alex Verdugo, who just needs a chance at this point. There's not an obvious one for him in the Dodgers lineup, but as much as they move around parts, one could easily develop really good contact hitter in the minors, could have a Jesse Winker-like transition to the majors. Breakout. This is on the low end, but catcher's a position of great need for many, and I still think Austin Barnes has potentially exciting potential in that spot. Just look at what he did two years ago. A great contact hitter with good on-base skills and some power. Last year was a total disaster, but it was kind of derailed by an elbow injury in spring training that delayed him at the start of the season. I don't think he was ever quite right. Now, Yasmani Grandal's gone, and it's theoretically his job. Bust, Clayton Kershaw. Just don't really like the way anything's trending. Velocity is going down. Swinging strike rate way down. Uh, less than a strikeout per inning last year. I feel like that back injury is taking a toll, and he's just hanging on by a thread at this point. The position battle is, I mean, really the whole roster is going to be competing with each other for playing time all season long. But the most interesting one is is probably in the starting rotation where, 
at some point they have to find room for who former top prospect Julio Urias and 2018 All-Star Ross Stripling. Both are on the outside looking in with Kenta Maeda and Hyunjin Ryu currently holding spots. Two more teams here. The Padres, 66 wins last year. Heath, who are sleepers, breakouts, and busts on the Padres? The sleeper is our old friend, odd year Eric Cosmerth. Last time we saw him in odd year, 376 Woba. The year before that, 355 Woba. I don't know why it is that Eric Cosmer is only good on odd years, but it's been that way his entire career. In all honesty, it sounds like he's actually talking about making a commitment to try to hit the ball in the air just a little bit, and he has the type of batted ball contact quality that if he can just elevate the ball when he pulls it a little bit, he could actually be a 30 homer or more guy. The breakout is Kirby Yates. He was phenomenal last year. Over the last two years, he has struck out 178 batters in 119 innings, and he'll be the full-time closer now that Brad Hand is gone. The bust is Will Myers. I just I don't like Will Myers going back into the outfield with his injury history, and he is all he is is decide to run a little bit less away from being not near as valuable because he strikes out way too much he's going to hit for a bad average and he doesn't have elite power he just has okay power the position battle to watch is the rest of that outfield they've got about 17 guys that could play outfield and have some type of upside only two or three of them can play defense though hunter renfro manuel Margot, travis jankowski do they find time for fran mill reyes it's going to be really interesting to see what they do all right chris towers let's finish strong with the 73 win san francisco giants yeah, let's finish strong with the least interesting team in fantasy baseball. Their sleeper for me, I guess Derek Holland, who somehow became an, a league average pitcher and being a league average pitcher when you're pitching in Oracle, Pac Bell, AT&T Park, means that you can be pretty good. Breakout, honestly, nobody. Maybe Buster Posey, if he can get back on track after dealing with hip injuries last year, but there really isn't anybody with exciting potential on this roster. Uh, and the bus is Madison Bumgarner. He's just, he's moved in the wrong direction. He looked like a worse pitcher than Derek Holland last year. Those are words that I actually just said. Uh, and he's still being drafted in the top 75. Position battle, I guess, center field and left field and right field. Their outfield <laughs> is kind of a mess. I, but it doesn't really matter who plays there unless it's Bryce Harper. And even then, we wouldn't be very, I mean, we'd be moderately excited, but nobody wants to see him sign in San Francisco. Gosh, what did San there's Francisco just, do to you? I, there's just, <laughs> they don't have a lot going for them. Scott White, tell them about Mac Williamson. <laughs> the guys who are decent <laughs> are old, and the guys who are young are almost entirely without potential. Well, uh, don't you let want, him talk that want, way about want, Mac Williamson. Do you want me to espouse the 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 benefits of still rostering Pablo Sandoval right. in the oh. year of our Lord 2019? <laughs> I'm not going to lie to people. Post concussion, the Mac truck is coming through. All right. Okay. All right. Mac, Mac Williamson. Williamson. Mac and cheese, baby. Deep sleeper. So to recap the NL West, uh, we've got Heath with Heath with the Diamondbacks. Jake Lamb, sleeper, David Peralta, bust, Cattell Marte, breakout. Chris with the Rockies, Garrett Hampson, sleeper, Daniel Murphy, breakout, Armand Marquez, bust. Scott gave us Alex Verdugo as a sleeper, Austin Barnes, a breakout, and Clayton Kershaw, a bust for the Dodgers. Heath had Eric Hosmer, odd year Eric Hosmer as a sleeper, Kirby Yates as a breakout, Will Myers as a bust. 
And Derek Holland, sleeper for Chris. Nobody's a breakout for Chris on the Giants. And Madison Bumgarner is uh, is a bust. Well, that was a lot of work for me. That was hard work, guys. Um, you know what? You know what the best part of that was, Adam. Get some tea and honey to to rest your voice. <laughs> what was the best part, Heath? You just make these definitive statements about players, and Scott or Chris, neither one gets the chance to offer a rebuttal. Chris said some crazy things. What do you mean? I didn't Scott said seething. some crazy things. What? No, everything I let said me go was through totally the, the one thing that I thought was craziest. Okay, I'm just gonna do a quick scan. Jake Lamb as a sleeper. That's the craziest thing. Come on. Jake Lamb was like he's crap. a top eight third baseman two years in a row <laughs> yeah, before he got hurt. He had one good You're half. And, and he's going to be first base eligible Humidor. the season. Humidor. Remember that thing? All right. Dork. We got to get out of here. This is the longest Humidor. podcast. Uh, thanks for listening. I hope you all enjoyed it. I hope it was good stuff. It was, it was helpful for me, so I hope it was helpful for you. Uh, thanks to Heath, Chris, and Scott. Great work, guys. And we have our catcher preview coming up on Friday. Adios. Happy Valentine's Day, everybody. Love you.